Welcome to How She Creates. You're listening to episode 19, season 2. Today I have Danielle from the Meriwether Council on to help you figure out if it's time for you to take your handmade creative hobby and turn it into a creative business. She shares all of her knowledge and tips on figuring out if creative business is the right next step for you, how to get started, and how to be successful. So get excited and listen in for today's episode. Welcome to How She Creates. I'm your creative fairy godmother, Lauren. I'm here to take you behind the scenes with all your favorite makers to learn how they create. We'll discuss what it means to live a creative lifestyle, the best resources and tools for making, where to find inspiration, and so much more. I hope these conversations encourage you to make more stuff and share it with the world so we can all see how you create. How She Creates is sponsored by Get Messy Art Journal. Get Messy is an art journal membership community that shares tutorials, inspirations, prompts, challenges, and more each week. Get Messy's goal is to help you nurture your creativity, become the artist you desire to be, and find your creative community. When you sign up for Get Messy's mailing list, you get access to three free classes, one on how to find your creative style, introduction to Art Journal 101, and Art Journal 102, Elevate Your Art Journaling. Get Messy has an amazing community of artists who are waiting to welcome and support you in your art journey. Learn more and sign up for Get Messy in their awesome newsletter at getmessyartjournal.com. Welcome back, friends. We have a really exciting new interview for you today. Um, Danielle is someone that I've been following for a really long time, and I just love her. I love her creative work. And I also love how wonderful of a creative business coach that she is for new makers and established makers who are learning to grow their creative business into something really successful and profitable. And so if you don't know Danielle, I hope that you will go check her out. Um, Follow her on Instagram. She is Meriwether C, and that's Mary spelled with an I, so Meriwether C um, on Instagram. And so if you want to take a moment and connect with her there really quickly to see um, some photos of her work and what she does. Um, But Danielle is a creative business bestie, and on her blog and podcast, she aims to inspire and support makers in their business, and she shares insights from her seven years of experience selling over 4,000 handmade pieces of artwork online. And she really believes in celebrating the reality of gainful self-employment through craft and wants to help more artists, crafters, and designers share their work with more confidence. She has a lot of really fantastic programs for you over at meriweathercouncil.com and again that's mary spelled with an i meriweathercouncil.com now all of these links are of course going to be here for you in the show notes at lauren-likes.com slash podcast and so you can connect with danielle there or on instagram and listen to her podcast the meriweather council which is full of great information for Um, creative business owners. And so I hope that you are excited for this conversation to help you determine if you're ready to take that next step from being a hobby crafter to a business crafter. So get ready to listen and get inspired. 
Danielle, thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to get to talk to you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you are so interesting, and I feel like you're such an expert at two things. And so I'm really excited to bring this conversation to my listeners because my listeners are um, crafters and creative people, and um, you are really the expert on shifting from being a hobby maker to being a really successful um craft seller on Etsy. And so I'm really excited to hear your story and to help shed some light and some wisdom. And maybe we're going to inspire some people to start selling their craft today. That would be fabulous. If that could be something that results from this, that would make me very happy. (laughs) Um, So why don't you start by telling us your creative story, how you got started making So I've always been a maker of things and like coloring and drawing and painting, all that stuff. But my real passion as a child was creating doll clothes (laughs) Um, for my family of, I think I had five American Girl dolls and I just loved to make clothes for them. That was that's just what I was into. I would cut up my own clothes to make clothes for them. I would take things that we were like getting rid of or like old clothes that we potentially maybe would have donated. I cut them up and created doll clothes and also did a lot of knitting or not really knitting when I was super young, but crocheting. I think I was crocheting when I was like five or six and make them little blankets and sweaters or they weren't really sweaters. They were more like vests. <laughs> um, yeah, just loved to make things for my dolls, all sorts of things, really. But the clothes and the blankets, very rudimentary, obviously. But I had, um, that was my main, my main thing. So I did love to like color and draw and stuff. But I was really more of like a builder in the sense that I like to be more three dimensional. So that's really where my my creativity manifested itself when I was a child. And then as I got older in school, I was always interested in doing art things at school, but I found that to be really restrictive in a lot of ways because it was super traditional, like painting, drawing, the end. (laughs) Um, And then finally, when I got to high school, I was in like AP art or whatever, and we were doing like more sculptural stuff and collaging, which I loved. So that was nice. And then I went to college and got a BFA in 3D fine arts with a concentration in fibers, which basically is like weaving and textiles, but not surface design. So it's like soft sculpture. Anything having to do with yarn or thread, fabric, soft materials like that in 3D form. So that's how I proceeded through creativity in my lifetime. And then after I graduated, I started my business um, doing custom hand embroidery. 
And then after that, (laughs) we had a couple of like life transitions and I started feeling really like isolated doing things only on my own in my own studio. And so I started doing more of the teaching and supporting of other people trying to monetize their talents. And that's how I got to where I am today. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you were incredibly successful as an Etsy seller. Now, were you always selling on Etsy? How long ago is this that you started? Because you, sorry, I'm trying to like get the whole picture. Mm-hmm. You graduated college with an art degree and then you immediately were an artist making money from your art? So yes, I, when I was graduating college, uh, not a lot of viable futures were presented to me that I liked. There, The traditional situation for people that I was graduating with would be you graduate, you either go to graduate school and you have some kind of a job, you know, to get you through graduate school, working part-time somewhere, anywhere really, but you are like suffering for your art basically. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I like the idea of going to grad school, I guess. Like that seemed like the best option that was presented to me. Because the other options were like, you could apply for grants, you could do residencies, you could try to be a teacher, you could be a gallery artist, but all these things were basically like, you're going to do that, but you're also going to have to work like somewhere else to support yourself while you wait for your art to take off. (laughs) Because my... What like a pleasant The school I went to was like really modern in some ways, but like very conservative in other ways and didn't present a lot of new, you know, what we would consider like modern. There was nothing about entrepreneurship at all. Um, So I was kind of on my own, but I was like, you know what, of these options that they're telling me are viable, I think I'd want to go to grad school. So I pursued that and I was going to do that, but then really long and drawn out story short, I ended up not going. And that's when I was like, since I don't have any other plans, (laughs) let me try to do this thing with, you know, sell on Etsy, do shows. And so I just kind of like dove right into that because I didn't have anything else planned. And there was nothing to stop me from doing it. (laughs) So I tried it and it worked. I did, of course, have some financial support. (laughs) Uh, Because, you know, I, I was supposed to do something. This was literally like within 36 hours of graduating, I was supposed to go to graduate school and then it fell through. And so I had to find something else to do with myself. So, um, you know, I did start making full-time money within like a year. So, you know, I was just one person, no kids. (laughs) So it wasn't like I needed a ton of money, but was enough to live on and you know to feel like like you like I've heard you say when I spoke to you on my podcast that it was you were making enough that it was justified to continue spending time on it Mm -hmm. it was kind of like that (laughs) so that was in 2010 that I graduated college and started my business and I did that custom hand embroidery thing full-time no other jobs for about five years. And then I added in the teaching stuff. 
So wow. now I have like two full-time jobs <laughs> or two jobs. <laughs> oh, you're still doing the custom hand embroidery consistently? I do it. Um, yeah, I do it throughout the year. It's not my main focus, but I do keep it up and I... I wish that I had more time to spend on it, but the other stuff kind of took off. And I do like right now feel I'm like a super tech nerd. Like I love to play with gadgets. And so my other job really allows me to do like gadget creation, like use gadgets to make things, which I Mm -hmm. love too. So in a way that's like my, my creativity right now is like videos and audio stuff. Like I love all that. Um, so it's it's nice to have both right now. The the embroidery is back to being something that I just love to do, and because it, it's not you know my full time anymore, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is kind of nice. But yeah, it was it was full time, and it was really awesome when it was, and now it's really awesome still. <laughs> just different, you know, amounts of work I'm doing. Oh, that, that's so awesome. So my very short Etsy life was I made this pillow that was really cool. I got some comments on it. So I put it on Etsy Mm -hmm. and then it was like a pillow cover and then people wanted to buy it. Mm -hmm. And then at like 3am the night before I was supposed to ship it out, I was like dragging myself to my sewing machine and like cursing the whole time. So I was like, I quickly realized that that for me was a hobby for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as it became the business, it became like a chore that I didn't want to have to do anymore. So, right. Yeah. So we're going to talk about this more when we get into the, to, to the rest of the questions, but about how to know and how to, how to keep that love and mm-hmm. passion going <laughs> for your product. Right. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And if you cool. if anyone hasn't seen Danielle's work, you should go look because it is so much fun. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so let's talk about your creative process just really quickly. What is your process when you sit down to create a new embroidery? So usually I like come up with an idea in my head, <laughs> something that I would like to make. And this, I think, happens for a lot of people is you make what you like. And then if you try to sell that, you'll, you'll, some people are really good at finding people who love the same things they love and will buy them and no change needs to be made. But for me, it was, I make things I like, I put them out there. People are like, I like that, but can you do it different? And I'm like, yeah, I love to do other stuff too. So, (laughs) um, a lot of my ideas start in my own head and I make them. But then they become modified based on, you know, if I'm tr- if it's something that I'm really trying to sell and make profitable, then I do take in the consideration of other people who make requests. And I think just based on the nature of my shop, my embroidery business in general, because it is primarily custom, people do ask for customizations on almost everything I've ever made. So even if it's something wow. that I just love to make, you know, for myself or that I think is cool. The chances of thousands of other people thinking it's perfect the way that it is, is pretty low in my case, just because I've built out this business that is pretty much custom work. So, but it's nice for me to, to make things that I feel drawn to make. 
Um, and I, like I've spoken about, I really do feel more aligned to like putting pieces together in art making rather than starting with a blank sheet of paper and drawing something on it. I like to take things that already exist and put them together and create something new. That's why I loved collage so much. That's why I liked cutting up my clothes to make doll clothes. <laughs> That's why I like <laughs> crochet. So anytime I, I just take pieces from other things and kind of put them together in my own way. But then on the like marketable side of it, I do have to kind of like listen to what other people want and implement that. But that's fine for me because I enjoy making things that other people like too. So it's almost like two separate things. But my process is really just to take things, cut them up and put them back together <laughs> in a different way. <laughs> that's what I've always done. So that's like the super boiled down version. But yeah that's pretty much it. That's perfect. Well, and that just, and just listening to you talk about that blows my mind because do you know how many Etsy sales you've made? Do you have a general number? Um, I mean, my little number that Etsy puts on my page is like 4,000 something, but that is 4,000 individual people that you have made something specifically for. That is not prints you are selling. (laughs) Yes. That's that is insane yeah absolutely insane yes and I mean a lot of those it it is crazy to think about that like 4,000 individual people at least right um Mm -hmm. yeah and it's fun to make things that people can give to other people and then they feel like they gave the coolest gift (laughs) or something too so in a way you touch even more people by virtue of the person you made it for gives it to someone else which is cool (sighs) Awesome. That statement is like the perfect transition from going from making for yourself to your art, touching and encouraging other people. So as you're making and your business is growing, how did you learn and grow so much on Etsy that you transitioned, that your business was successful enough, that you had learned enough, that you were ready to become a business Etsy business coach? Is that what you call yourself? So I, I do find that a lot of my people start with Etsy and that's like a really good, uh, you know, entry point for people to connect with me is by like by connecting through Etsy or on the idea of Etsy. But I don't, I don't think at this point I'm like really just about Etsy at all. I do try to like help people just market their talents, you know, whether that involves Etsy or not. And it could, but it doesn't have to. Um, but a lot of, a lot of the people that I work with do start on Etsy or have a presence on Etsy. So I would and Etsy has done so much for me and my business that I would never want to like, be like, no, I'm not about Etsy because <laughs> I am, but it's just like, <laughs> yeah. there's so much more to it than that too. So I just, I guess I like coach. I don't really usually say coach. I usually say biz bestie because <laughs> I feel like it's a little <laughs> bit more casual, but, um, and more personal. But I'm not picky. Whatever, whatever I am to an, an, an individual person is fine. <laughs> like if I help them with their <laughs> Etsy specifically, then I can be their Etsy coach. But if I help them do something else, then that's great too. Um, but I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> it's okay. No, that that's perfect. That naming ourselves is like the hardest. It is thing that yeah. I have found. Yeah. Um. So that's awesome. Um, how did you learn and grow so much that you were ready to transition to being a business bestie? So let's not forget that I had literally nothing else to do with my life 
when I started this business um, because all of my friends had made their plans what they were going to do after college and they were off doing that and I had no plans like not a single plan at all so I had nothing but time to make this work and to learn and to research and to go out and do things and I pretty much agreed to do everything and said yes to everything for at least a year and a half when I was starting my business. So I read a lot. I did a lot of research. Like I would like fall asleep with my iPad. <laughs> like, you know, it was really intense learning and just cause I was like, I have to make this work. Otherwise my parents are going to make me get a real job. So, <laughs> um, you know, I just did a lot of reading and research and I did a lot of things. Like if, if anybody, so I, this was all happening in Boston. I went to college in Boston and I was living and working in Boston right after graduating. And there's a really vibrant art scene in Boston. So anytime, and obviously I was somewhat connected to it just by virtue of graduating from an art school. So anytime someone I knew would invite me to go to a show or to apply for something, or to show something somewhere, I said yes. And I learned a lot from doing that. And then my, my big thing that I teach people how to do now is like, learning how to appeal to what Etsy is currently doing, because it is such an amazing tool that people can use if they understand it. So even if you are like, I don't really care for Etsy, I don't really want to sell everything I make on Etsy, you can still use it to build a presence for yourself. And if you can appeal to what Etsy is doing and what they're interested in, what they're promoting with the work you currently make, like not, not saying people have to like change their work at all to like fit Etsy, but you can make like very small tweaks to how you present your work to appeal to Etsy better. And that's once I started doing that, I was like, this is amazing because this is opening a lot of doors. Um, and a lot of opportunities are coming from this. So I was super interested in figuring out what are they doing and how can I make myself a part of that and that's when things really started to take off and then once you can do that it really grows your business off Etsy as well as on Etsy so that's why I like to encourage people to do that and so what is your advice how do people know when it's time to go from hobby to business and make their first listing on Etsy. So hopefully more people will come at this from a place of less desperation than I did. <laughs> because like I said, this was like, okay, I guess I'll do this. Um, and if you, if you are in a place where you're making things and a lot of times what happens is people around you are like, oh, I would buy that or you should sell those. Um, and if you are really interested in doing that, the first thing to do is figure out what your other hobbies are <laughs> because once you, like we said, once you start doing something for work, it, it doesn't become like that thing you retreat to, you know, to relax with anymore. Um, so you have to kind of replace that. So find another hobby <laughs> and mm -hmm. then, you know, you really want to be honest with yourself. Like, can I do this in a way that's sustainable? Now on Etsy, you're lucky because you don't have to commit to anything long-term. Like if you want to build your own website and you want to run a business that's completely separate from Etsy, you do kind of have to be on it all the time. But on Etsy, and like you would have to set up a website and there would be costs involved with that and those would be ongoing. 
And with Etsy, you can pay just to list what you want. You can turn it off when you don't feel like doing it. <laughs> you can put your shop on vacation. Um, and so there's, there is more flexibility there, but if you are wanting to be like truly in business, you want to be really honest with yourself about, can I sustain this? And can I show up for this on a daily basis? And it's, and understand that it's not just make things and sell them. There are so many other pieces involved, which I think really comes as a surprise to people once they start being in like real, real business where they're making transactions like every single day and turning orders around every single day. They're like, oh, now I got to mail things. Now I got to keep in touch with my customers. Now I got to find new ways to market myself. Like that's the first thing that people come up against is how do I get people to buy my stuff so they don't realize, you know, it's not as easy as just make it and sell it. You do have to put in work to get people there. So, you know, just doing some research off the top might be really helpful. Talking to other people who have the kind of business you are thinking about starting could be really helpful to understand what is involved and needed to sustain it to the, to the extent that it would actually be profitable. Um, and then decide, you know, is that going to work for your lifestyle? <laughs> Do you have the time and ability and capacity to put in that effort? And it is intimidating, but you know, it would be, it would behoove people to do that off the top instead of figure it out as they go. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want this to be like a scary, like you shouldn't do this, but I do hope that it's a little bit of a reality check of how much work goes into it mm -hmm. um, and kind of managing those expectations and, and having that reality of what, what it's like. Um, so what are some of the biggest struggles that you see creatives encounter when they start out in business? And do you have any tips for how to handle those better or maybe avoid those bigger mistakes or struggles that people tend to make right away? Yeah. So, I mean, even though it is really a lot of work and it's hard work and a lot of us are going to be doing it on our own, which makes it harder. Um, it's the best work that you'll do because it's stuff you love. So you know, you might be spending a lot of time on it, but you will probably be enjoying yourself most of the time. <laughs> if you really do love what you're doing, it's just understanding that there are a lot of pieces to it beyond just making stuff. Um, but in terms of number one thing that I see people come up against and like how to move past it, I think understanding the like marketing side, like you don't have to be doing like radio ads or billboards or like, it's not, you're, you're not buying like a Super Bowl ad, but you have to have some kind of pick some way that you want to connect with people and share your work so that they can connect to it and lead them through to your shop or your site and, you know, put the effort in there. So People get really overwhelmed by all of the options and think they need to use all of them. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, <laughs> all these things. But you don't have to use everything. You have to pick what's going to work for you, what you feel drawn to, and start with that. Is that going to work forever? Probably not. But for now, you can you know, dedicate your time to one thing, try to make that work. And then you move on to the next thing. It's just a constant you know, adjustment. Like, okay, I'm trying this. 
it's working sort of, I'm going to adjust it. Now it's working better or worse. I'm going to adjust it no matter what you're doing. People just have to be willing to try new things. I think that's, that's one of the biggest hurdles is just the willingness and people get really distracted by what the other people in their life tell them uh, because they don't necessarily understand the landscape of, you know, what they're doing. They're like, Oh, you know, you're making things and selling them like that's weird or they don't really get it. They don't understand how it works, but they're still giving their, their input and their feedback and it's throwing the seller off. I see that happen a lot, which is frustrating Mm -hmm. because people just don't know that this is possible and lucrative. So they don't know how to talk about it. Yes. Yes. I think that goes back to knowing what you call yourself, knowing how to talk about your business and knowing when to not talk about it. Yes. <laughs> just, yep. Um, that those are important. Yeah. Just, just knowing, like finding the community of people and it's probably going to be an online community for many of us, but there's definitely the possibility of it being in person, at least in part, right? To have people who get what you're doing and can support that and encourage you and give you information and advice or insight that comes from a place of truly understanding what you're trying to do. And not that we don't love our friends and family, but you know, even I've been doing this for eight years and my friends are still like, so you're like, you have like that podcast and like, so how does that work? Like what you make money or I don't, you know, like they still don't really know. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's the podcast is making me a lot of money. Like, don't even worry about it, you guys. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it's just about finding people who kind of get where you're coming from and not being too distracted or influenced by people who don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good. Just life advice for, you know, the voices that you let in, Mm -hmm. make sure they're qualified voices to let in. Yes. Um, So would your first two steps for people who wanted to go from um, hobby to business be to do some research into that type of business and then to start working on their marketing channel for that? Well, I think so. the, The absolute, one of the absolute first steps should definitely be to develop an actual product that you would bring to market, like a finalized product, because it's super easy to be like, Oh, I love to make things. I love to do this. But like, what does it look like as an actual thing that someone buys? So like develop that and build that out and then, then work on how are you going (laughs) to market it? But you can't really do anything until the product is finalized. You can't talk about it. Can't take pictures of it. Can't market it. So like figuring out exactly what the final thing is that someone's actually going to purchase is probably be like the second most important thing and surround yourself with people who understand what you're doing. (laughs) And so do you have a like number one resource that you would recommend for people who are getting started? I think depending on where you're starting from, that resource might change, but um, Etsy really is a good resource for, they, they have covered over the years, so many topics and, there is a community already built in there. That's one of the things that's great about Etsy is like, I know some people will probably roll their eyes and be like, oh, it's not a very quality community, but that's not true. It is, and it's all people who are doing similar to what you're doing. But again, it might change on, depending on where you're starting from. Some people have been practicing artists for 20 years and now they want to sell online as opposed to do big gallery shows and stuff like this. 
or people like me who have no clue what they're doing and they just graduated college. So depending on where you're starting from, there might be different, better resources. But I do think Etsy is a great starting place because they do have a community and a blog and there's a lot of, they've put in a decent amount of time and effort into resourcing, like how to teach, like teaching people how to do things, covering topics that are really relevant to, to beginners. You know, how do you set up, you know, books and taxes and things like that. Um, but also just how to get started on their own platform. But, um, there's also some great books out there. They might be somewhat out of date now, but a lot of the stuff is really timeless timelessly relevant. Um, and I'm going to forget the name of it off the top of my head, but it's called, I think it's called the handmade marketplace. That's a really good book. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, again, just depending on where people are coming from, starting from, they, they might have be aligned to different resources that are better for them. But I do think Etsy is a really good starting point. Um, and so what is the biggest key to success that you see makers using consistently to become successful on Etsy? Um, so two things for everybody in general, I think a lot of people give up too soon. So persistence, um, you know, stick to itiveness people, they, they give it like three months and they're like, it's not taking off. So I'm giving up, which is not enough time. Three months mm-hmm. is 90 days. That's not enough time at all. Um, if you really want to make this work, you're going to have to give it a little bit more time. Um, so just not giving up too soon. And then also um, to become successful specifically on Etsy, I do think that understanding the power of Etsy, the unique power that only Etsy has, in this marketplace, in this niche industry, whatever you want to call it. Um, And then leveraging it, I think, is critical to making things work on Etsy on more of an autopilot situation. And I I don't like to use the word autopilot because nothing is really that simple. But (laughs) no, it is not. (laughs) To to put it in a place where like Etsy is kind of doing a lot of work for you as well as you are doing for them. Um, to really appeal to what they have going on is really major specific to Etsy. Okay. And so how do, I know this is like a million dollar question, but how do we know if Etsy is right for you or another platform for when you get started? What are some kind of quick questions that you could ask to help you determine um, Etsy or building your own site or something else? Um, I think that everybody should have both their own website and a marketplace. Um, If you want to like truly have like a long-term business, I do think it's lucrative to have your own website and to sell on one or two marketplaces. Most people don't want to have several thousand things going on. So I think, you know, Etsy, Amazon, probably like the two big marketplaces for handmade right now. I think Etsy is still preferable to Amazon for a lot of reasons, not least of all which is their fee structure is much more affordable. Um, But I think depending on the product and the price point, there might be 
a better fit, like maybe Amazon is a better fit, maybe where whatever country the person lives in, there might be a better fit. Um, but for me, Etsy is kind of like, you can't go wrong. Like there's almost, there are very few products that would not work on Etsy. Um, there's, there is a market for every product. I do believe that that market might not exist on Etsy, but for the most part, I think it does (laughs) to a certain extent, even if it's a smaller, more niche market. But in some ways, that's that's great and that's fine. Um, the thing is that no matter what you're selling on Etsy, Etsy still packs that punch of, you know, they have traffic coming in a lot and you didn't have to work for it. <laughs> um, you know, no matter whether you're doing it or someone else is doing it to drive the traffic there, um, you know, we're all kind of working together to get the traffic to the site and Etsy's working to get the traffic to the site. So no matter what you're selling, there's traffic coming to the site and then you can kind of funnel that traffic into your shop individually. Um, And Etsy, you know, they have this big name similar to Amazon. I mean, a lot of this stuff you could really apply to Amazon, except Amazon's fee structure is much, much larger. The fees are crazy on Amazon and Etsy is much more affordable. So I think that Etsy is the best platform for most people to start on, um, or at least put some, some effort into at first, but I would always encourage people to have their own site. And then a marketplace site is really just a marketing tool. And so you have clearly so much expertise on this. Can you tell us a little bit more about your classes that you offer for help for people wanting to get started? I would love to. Yeah. So my, I have an Etsy training course. That's kind of my signature course. It's like my baby. I really have like nurtured that thing over the course of the past three years. And that's my like one-stop shop for like, if you want to know everything I know about making Etsy work for you, that's it. And that's a video-based course. Um, So it's all like on-screen trainings. You can see me like in my own shop doing things, exploring the site, pointing things out, how to do things, how to optimize your shop for search, how to optimize your shop for conversions, all that kind of thing. Um, And that's like, I think right now it has like 36 videos in it or something. So it's not one long drawn out thing where you have to shuffle through a bunch of time in a video to figure out how to do one specific thing. It's like everything is broken out really simply. So you find what you need or you follow along with it in the, in the way that, you know, it naturally would occur or you take it piece by piece as needed for you. Because I've had super newbies take it, people who haven't even opened shop yet. And I've had people who've had their shop for like seven years take it and everybody has found, you know, an aha moment in there. I do know that a lot of people who have been on Etsy for several years and then took it are like, I wish I had taken this sooner because now I'm undoing a lot of the work I did previously <laughs> to fix it. But yeah, it's, um, it's really nice for long-term sellers to go back to basics too. And even though it's not just basics, there is a lot of the like, let's make sure you're doing this because this is super important stuff in there. So that's my Etsy training course, and it's available on my website. 
And I would hope that anybody who's really serious about Etsy would check it out because I think it is a really good resource and we know that it works for people. We've had a lot of really good feedback about it. So I'm excited by that. (laughs) That makes me happy that it works for other people. Yeah. I wish that I had found that course a long time ago and I was, you know, serious about making and selling things, but didn't quite know how to leverage Etsy for all the power that it had. Right. Um, yeah. And, and even f- just following you, cause I don't sell physical products, um, right now. And I'm, so I'm not on Etsy, but I still following you, I get so many great marketing ideas and so many great tips for creating. And so I think even if people aren't Etsy sellers or aren't looking to, um, start a shop, at least following you on Instagram is fabulous. And I love following you. You share so many fun things. Um, I follow you personally. And then I share, um, say the name. I don't want to say it wrong. Your other account. Oh, creative life, happy life. Yes. Yeah. That's my, it's like a feature account that gets neglected a lot, but I I like the idea of it. (laughs) Um, it's fun for me to feature other people, but it does get a little bit neglected sometimes. No, it is a treasure trove of artists and great things. And so, um, yes. So we will have links to all of this in the show notes as always, Lauren dash likes.com slash podcast. Um, but before I let you go, tell us what living a creative lifestyle looks like for you. Okay. Well, so for me, having a creative lifestyle is all about just making sure that no matter what I'm doing, I'm approaching it as myself with my own unique vision. Um, And not even so much like making things, although I do love to make things and I would like to make things every day if I could in some way, whether they're physical products or, you know, videos or whatever. Um, But just really putting my own spin on things in everything that I'm doing, I think is what I would consider living a creative lifestyle. And what would you say your number one resource for creativity is? Um, So currently I think I really have found a lot of inspiration in Elizabeth Gilbert's book, big magic. I love that book. I think, even if you could only read like one chapter of it, (laughs) you know, it would be super inspirational to any creative type person. Mm -hmm. It is fantastic. It probably gets mentioned every other week on the podcast. Yeah, it is really good. Like I feel okay saying like the same thing as everyone else because it is that good. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I am more than happy to link to it every single week. Yeah. Um, so what is new with you? What do you have coming out that we can be looking for? Um, so this year, we are really try- – I'm trying not to make too many new things. I'm trying to grow the things I currently have and make them better. Um, so the podcast, I will be working on that more. I have a membership experience, a monthly membership experience for makers and business that I'll be building out bigger and better this year. And, um, I don't know, that's, that's my main, those are my main things that I'm focusing on those three things, but 
I recently did a rebrand of the Meriwether Council, which is at the time of this recording still in like its adolescent phase where we're slowly switching things out. So it's a little bit awkward, (laughs) but that was, that was a big project and I'm excited to have that fully done. So it's just a year of like settling into what I'm doing and making what I'm doing even better than it's been. Not so much like creating tons of new stuff. Yeah, no, that's so important. And so do you do limited runs of your embroidery? How does that work? Or you just take so many? Um, I just fill orders right now. Um, There are samples in my shop of things that I can make right now. And if people order them, I make them to order, you know, based on their preferences. I would, like I said earlier, love to develop some new stuff but it's not my super main focus right now. So if, if the time presents itself, I'll do it hopefully before the holiday season. But right now I'm just happy to fill the orders that I get. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much the status on the embroidery shop. Awesome. Um, well, we're going to have links to all of these things that Danielle's talking about and links to her and you can follow and connect with her. Um, but thank you so much, Danielle, for sharing your wisdom with us. And I am really excited for this episode to hopefully be, um, enlightening for a lot of our crafters out there who are thinking about making that jump and will kind of confirm either way for them and give them a really good place to start and know if it's time to be a crafter, just a hobbyist or a full-time business lady. Um, So you guys connect with Danielle, let her help you if you're ready to take that leap. Um, But thank you so much for sharing with us, Danielle. Thank you. All right. I hope you found that interview so enlightening and so encouraging. Um, As always, the show notes and links will be at lauren-likes.com slash podcast. But now for our newest segment, I'm going to share a female artist business owner that I'm really loving and that I want to connect you with today. And I thought this was perfect timing since we're talking about Etsy today that I share an artist who recently opened up a new Etsy shop and is selling her hand-painted mixed media abstract artwork pieces they're all originals they're absolutely gorgeous Um, i just picked up one for myself and i'm really excited about it Um, the artist is julia cusworth she is a wonderful friend of mine she is the kindest sweetest um just loveliest lady that you'll ever meet um I believe she was on the episode about collaborating with zines. Uh, So you can even listen to her share more about her art process here on the podcast. I will link to that in the show notes. Um, But I would love it if you followed her and you checked out her Etsy pieces and maybe grabbed a new piece of artwork for yourself. You can find her on Etsy at Julia Cusworth. That is Julia C-U-S-S. 
W-O-R-T-H, and that is her same name on Instagram, and she will be linked in the show notes, and I hope you grab some new artwork and support some new lady artists today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great week and that you continue creating and sharing with us on the How She Creates hashtag. And if you would take just a quick second as the podcast is wrapping up and you would leave a rating and review in iTunes, that is so, so, so helpful for the show so that more people can find us and more people can create with us and we can keep making awesome podcasts and bringing you these episodes every week. So, Leave a review and rating, and I will see you next week for another episode of How She Creates. Thank you so much for listening to How She Creates. I would love to see how you create. Share what you're making on Instagram using the hashtag HowSheCreates. If you love learning about creativity with me, please leave a review on iTunes and subscribe. Grab your art supplies, and I'll meet you back here next week for another episode of How She Creates.